welcome to this week's bonus episode of This Week in Labor. I am your host, Tim Billadu, and let's just get right into the news. The following story comes from IndiesTimes.com and is written by Rebecca Burns. And the headline is, Rank-and-file union members are leading another massive strike. This time, it's AT&T workers. Thousands of AT&T employees across the Midwest are entering the sixth day of a rare rank-and-file-led work stoppage over alleged unfair labor practices. The union representing them, Communications Workers of America, CWA District 4, has been in contract negotiations with AT&T since March. While members voted overwhelmingly in April to authorize a strike if necessary, the decision to walk off the job last week was not coordinated by union leadership or subject to an official vote. Instead, the union says that the action was a spontaneous one resulting from widespread anger at the company. In recent weeks, the union alleges that AT&T has tried to bypass its elected bargaining team by emailing thousands of workers directly. A May 22nd email outlined what the company termed a, quote, final offer and encouraged employees to urge CWA leadership to provide you with an opportunity to vote for it. CWA filed unfair labor practice charges against AT&T, alleging that this message constitutes bad faith bargaining and direct dealing that violates the company's duty to negotiate with the union as workers' sole collective bargaining representative. The charges are still pending. But in the meantime, the company sent three more emails and workers' frustration reached a boiling point, according to the union. Resentment had already been bubbling up over the AT&T's decision to conduct more than 1,000 layoffs soon after receiving a windfall from the passage of federal tax reform. AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson was a prominent backer of the tax law, which he said would allow the company to create 7,000 jobs. Not only were the emails from the company disrespectful, says Beth Dubris, secretary-treasurer of CWA Local 4900 in Indiana, they didn't even really discuss job security. Throughout last week, she says, our members kept calling, wanting to know why the company was doing this. Work stoppages that protest illegal behavior by employees are generally considered protective activity under federal labor law, and so-called unfair labor practice strikes are often an important component of union strategy. But spontaneous rank-and-file-led walkouts that cross state and occupational lines are almost unheard heard of in recent years. CWA District 4 represents some 9,500 AT&T technicians, call center representatives, and other personnel across Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Thousands of workers in every state eventually took part, but the walkout started in Indiana. In these times, spoke to several local elected officials and members about how the strike picked up momentum. Early Thursday morning, one group of technicians in Local 4900 decided that they had had enough and walked off the job before their 7 a.m. shift, according to Dubry. Thanks to a group text chat, the entire local knew about it by 7.30, she says. Most worker shifts started at 8 a.m. And by that time, no one went to work. It was amazing how fast it spread, said Dupree. There wasn't even a hesitation. Word traveled quickly to other states with the aid of a closed Facebook group to coordinate mobilization across the district. Jim Simons, executive vice president of Michigan CWA Local 4009 and a 28-year AT&T employee, said that he began receiving calls with news of the Indiana walk at 8 a.m. The next thing I know, all of Ohio is out, he says. At 1 p.m., I got the call that two of our garages had walked out. Soon after, most of the locals, more than 800 members, joined in. Simons says that workers in his local were already livid about layoffs and outsourcing. AT&T was among the companies praised by President Trump for giving out $1,000 bonuses to employees after the passage of the tax reform. But according to CWA, the company also laid off more
more than 1,500 in December. When you do the math, those bonuses were paid for by the layoffs, says Simons. Some workers in his local donated their bonuses to members who lost their jobs. AT&T did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the walkout, but the company has released a statement that reads, We're offering a generous package, including annual wage increases, continuation of job security provisions that are virtually unheard of in the U.S., and comprehensive health care and retirement benefits. In addition, the offer includes a commitment to hire 1,000 people in the region. All employees covered by the offer would be better off, says AT&T CEO. But in April, CWA released a report charging that in the past seven years, AT&T has laid off more than 16,000 call center workers nationwide, shipping jobs to lower-paying call centers overseas. Last year, AT&T and other big companies boasted that tax reform would allow them to create more jobs in the United States, and CWA is among several unions now pushing the companies and bargaining to reveal whether they plan to follow through. In its fourth quarter 2017 financials, AT&T said that tax reform helped boost the quarter's net income to $19 billion, compared to $2.4 billion in the same period a year before. Anger over the tax cuts was front and center at a demonstration in Chicago this spring, where thousands of members gathered at AT&T headquarters to rally for a contract. During the rally, someone in the building put a sign in the window that read, No one cares. According to Simons, you put all that together and people were ready to strike. As of Tuesday, most members in Wisconsin and Illinois have returned to work but thousands in Michigan, Ohio, and all of Indiana remain on strike, according to the union. Tim Strong, president of CWA Local 4900 and a member of the District 4 bargaining team, also credits the wave of teacher strikes this year in inspiring members to walk out. Bargaining with AT&T is continuing this week over key issues including job security, use of contractors, and health care costs, he said. In the meantime, members have pulled off the longest work stoppage their union has seen since 1989. I think it's a reflection of the movement in this country country that you saw teachers who in many cases don't even have collective bargaining rights going on strike, says Strong, and 9,000 members decided to take this leap of faith and fight. segment is from Reuters.com and is written by Salvador Rodriguez. The article is titled, Worker Testifies That Tesla Stopped Him From Organizing Union. A Tesla Incorporated employee organizing a union was asked by a supervisor and company security guards to leave the factory after handing out pro-union flyers. The worker said at an NLRB hearing on Monday over whether Tesla had violated federal safeguards for employee activity. The NLRB general counsel brought the case before a board administrative law judge after receiving complaints from three Tesla workers and the United Automobile Aerospace and Agricultural Implement Workers of America, otherwise known as UAW. If Tesla loses, the company could be required to notify its employees that it was found to be committing unfair labor practices, a victory for union organizers. The case comes as Tesla has struggled to ramp up production of the Model 3, a sedan intended for volume production that is key to the company achieving long-term profitability. Edris Rodriguez as Ritchie, an attorney for the NLRB, said Tesla asked workers to sign confidentiality agreements that were overly broad and preventing them from publicly discussing their working conditions. Tesla has denied the allegations and described them as an effort to make chief executive Elon Musk look bad. Michael Sanchez, who has worked at Tesla since 2012 and is currently on medical leave, said he was asked to leave by security guards and a supervisor while handing out leaflets to colleagues outside a Tesla facility in February 2017. 
What we see is a very heavy-handed anti-union campaign that's affected all levels of workers' everyday lives, said Margot Feinberg, attorney with Schwartz, Stein Sapir, Dorman, and Summers in her opening remarks for the UAW, which supports the NLRB counsel in the case. Speaking on behalf of Tesla, Mark Ross of Shepard, Mullen, Richter, and Hampton LLP listed about two dozen other allegations against the company that were found to be without merit and dismissed. The fact of the matter is that Tesla is a company that values its employees, Ross said in his opening remarks. In a series of tweets in May, Musk said he had not done anything to prevent unionizing efforts by workers. Quote, Nothing stopping Tesla team at our car plant from voting union could do so tomorrow if they wanted, end quote, Musk tweeted on May 20th. Hearings for the case are scheduled to continue through Thursday and resume in late September. Judge Amita Tracy is expected to deliver her judgment sometime after that. Our next story comes from CommonDreams.org and is titled Jaw-Dropping Report Reveals Rampant Wage Theft Among Top U.S. Corporations. A jaw-dropping wage theft report out this week reveals that many top U.S. corporations from Walmart to Bank of America to AT&T have fattened their profits by forcing employees to work off the clock or depriving them of required overtime pay based on a review of labor lawsuits and enforcement actions. While wage theft is pervasive, it is also preventable, said Adam Shaw from Jobs with Justice Education Fund. The report identifies several wage theft practices such as off-the-clock work, job title misclassifications that unfairly exempt workers from overtime pay, and uncompensated clothing purchase requirements, as well as overtime, minimum wage, meal break, and tip violations. Researchers uncovered more than 1,200 successful collective actions challenging large companies' bad behavior. Those cases cost top corporations a total of 8.8 $8 billion. A review of actions by the U.S. Department of Labor and eight state regulatory agencies uncovered another 4,220 cases against major corporations, which produced $9.2 billion in penalties. Our findings make it clear that wage theft goes far beyond sweatshops, fast food outlets, and retailers. It is built into the business model of a substantial portion of corporate America, said Good Jobs First Research Director Philip Matera, the report's lead author. The employers who paid the most Penalties for wage theft violations range from retailers to banks to insurance and telecommunications companies, the report highlights. Among the dozen most penalized corporations, Walmart, with $1.4 billion in total settlements and fines, is the only retailer. Second is FedEx, with $502 million. Half of the top dozen are banks and insurance companies, including Bank of America, $381 million, Wells Fargo, $205 million, J.P. Morgan Chase, $160 million, and State Farm Insurance, $140 million. The top 25 also include prominent companies in sectors not typically associated with wage theft, including telecommunications, AT&T, information technology, Microsoft and Oracle, pharmaceuticals, Novartis, and investment services, Morgan Stanley and UBS. Killian Collin, who worked for Wells Fargo from 2013 to 2016, said that aggressive sales quotas based on exploiting vulnerable customers forced me into 12-hour shifts with no breaks and no food allowed and threats to withhold my paycheck if I didn't sign off on working extra hours for free. The report suggests such experiences are common among those who work for major American companies. Demos Action researcher Tamara 
Brad Drought, who was not involved in the study, said the report's documentation of stolen wages provides one more reason for unions. Jobs with Justice Education Fund senior policy analyst Adam Shaw, who contributed to the report, said that in light of the findings, there's also a need for crafting stronger policies to protect workers. And that recent developments in government have renewed energy to address the issue of wage theft. We see increased urgency for policymakers to step up with solutions, Shaw noted, because the U.S. Supreme Court recently made it harder to bring collective action lawsuits to stop wage theft and the Trump administration may weaken federal enforcement. Pointing to California's enhanced labor protections as a potential blueprint, Shaw concluded, while wage theft is pervasive, it is also preventable. That does it for this week. And thank you for joining us for our premiere episode, as well as today's bonus episode of This Week in Labor. We'll be back next Tuesday for another installment. So take care. Thank you for listening. And you'll be able to find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud by next week. Also check out our website, www.thisweekinlabor.wordpress.com. Until next week, in solidarity, this has been Tim Billadu for This Week in Labor. That one big union, you've got to join it by yourself. Everybody here will join it with you. You've got to join the one big union by yourself. If the road gets rough and rocky, if the hills get steep and high, we will sing as we go marching. And we'll win one big union by and by. Brothers gotta join that one big union. Brothers gotta join it by himself. Everybody here will join it with him. Brothers gotta join the one big union by himself. Gotta join that one big union. Sisters gotta join it by herself. Everybody here will join it with her. Sisters gotta join the one big union by herself. Everybody gotta join that one big union. Everybody gotta join it by herself. Everybody here will join it with them. Yes. Everybody join one big union by themselves. I'm gonna join that one big union. I'm gonna join it by myself. Don't want nobody to join it for me. I'm gonna join one big union by myself. I'm gonna join that one big union. Yes, I am. I'm gonna join it by myself. Don't want nobody to join it for me. I'm gonna join the one big union by myself.